This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 66. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Camila Gornia to the Baller Circle. Camila is a blow-up, scale-up marketing strategist who helps entrepreneurs blow up and scale up their businesses to become true leaders online. By teaching her clients and community how to leverage their own natural personalities into strategic marketing campaigns that are both profitable and fun, Camila is proving over and over again that if you can dream it, you can truly achieve it. Camila, welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. That's great. Uh, so before we get into your blow-up, scale-up marketing strategies and all these great things you do for your clients, I want to get an idea of uh, what your life was like before you became the uh, the marketing strategist. Where did you grow up? What was uh, what were some of your inspirations to becoming an entrepreneur in the first place? Yeah, so this is actually my third business. Uh, so the things that I was doing before, I had two others before that were actual profitable businesses. I had um, immediately before I had a health blog. Um, it was like recipes and just healthy living, things like that. And then before that, and actually at the same time, uh, I also had a photography business and I was doing that while working in different marketing agencies and the photography stuff I did while I was in college. So I was also studying marketing communications and and psychology. So it was all kind of a combination of everything. Um, But I have started marketing and started like creating my own ventures, if you will, my my websites and things like that when I was 12, when uh, I created like my first website back in Poland uh, about manga. (laughs) Manga. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was very, That's cool. very dorky. That's Japanese comics. I was a, uh, I was a dork. <laughs> <laughs> so how did all that translate into uh, what you're doing today? I mean, I feel like because I do marketing, uh, you know, that's kind of where I started with my marketing experience, if you will. And it wasn't intentional necessarily, but it definitely translates because a lot of the things that I learned back then are still applicable today, namely like building relationships and, you know, just, just using organic traffic sources and things like that. So a lot of that is still the same, you know, even through like, even if you're using social media, which is not something that was around back then, uh, it's still the same process. Like it's still like reaching out, having someone else tell their audience about, you know, what you have to offer. And a lot of people are still doing that. And it's a very effective way of getting you in front of new audiences, like doing affiliates and JVs or just like, you know, uh, just pure exchanges of like, you know, solo emails and things like that. So, you know, I've learned a lot of marketing kind of strategies without having necessarily learned them intentionally. It was all done through trial and error, but that's really where I found, uh, and really like noticed that I'm, I really like doing this kind of stuff. I'm excited about doing that kind of stuff and supporting people in getting out there, uh, with something that they're passionate about is something that really lights me up. So it's definitely supported me in that journey. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So what what are some, uh, how, how did you learn all these strategies? What Were you the organic learner who just kind of went online and figured things out for yourself? Did you take courses? Did you hire mentors? What, what, what was your approach? Yeah, so it was a little bit of everything. I mean, honestly, since I started so young, 
young uh, and I started in Poland, uh, we didn't really have resources. So most of my knowledge, I guess I kind of just did by figuring it out on my own. And I didn't really know what it was called, what I was doing. It was just kind of natural. I didn't think that people were actually talking about this kind of stuff. I didn't know that this was called marketing. I mean, I was a 12 year old kid, right? So like, I don't really know words like that yet. Um, so I didn't actually start intentionally learning uh, marketing and online marketing specifically until I had my second business, my health blog, because my photography business, I still did a lot of like experimentation and kind of personal, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to get on Yelp and I just want people to find me on Google. And uh, somehow they were finding me. I'm like, I don't really know how that's happening, but I guess I'm doing something right. I had a website and all these, all these things. I didn't know how it was happening necessarily. So it wasn't until... I started my health blog and that's actually when I started, I went added on the major for uh, marketing communications back in college. That's when I started to, okay, like marketing, huh? I didn't really think marketing was the thing. Okay, well, let's see what I can do to grow my blog. How can I get more traffic to my blog? And that's when I started to actually look that, like look up, look up those terms and see articles and, and read. Uh, you know, there was a lot of blogger related um, websites like Booze Blog Traffic was one that was following a lot. Um, then I started following Social Triggers and it, it kind of started from there. Um, I didn't actually start working with people or taking courses until I started this business. And it was mostly for the business know-how, not necessarily for the marketing know-how. I mean, everything else I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like a hands-on learner, I guess, if you could say. And, you know, over the last three and a half years um, that I've had this business, it was kind of a combination of, you know, continuing to tweak things. But then also because I know that there is these resources, tons of resources out there and, you know, I have the money to invest now. I definitely like doing that a lot more and I love working with coaches and mentors uh, now, but it definitely didn't start out that way. Hmm, I like that. So when you were trying to figure out like, uh, I guess I would say the, the best course to take, the best mentor to hire, how did you decide who you were going to follow and who you were going to uh, go with? Yeah. So I've never been a person to really follow a lot of people. Um, I feel like whenever I do that, I tend to get a little bit confused and it just like I, I don't hear what I actually believe in or what my own thoughts and beliefs are. It, it just kind of becomes confuddled with like all these other people that are saying their things and I just get confused. Um, shiny object syndrome, as, as people call it. So even today, I don't really follow anybody. I don't really subscribe to very many newsletters because I like to keep things just focused on what I know I know. Um, now, when it came to hiring my first coach, uh, I actually didn't even know people were doing this kind of stuff. Like, I didn't know there were coaches out there. I knew there were, like, life coaches out there, uh, and I had hired a life coach in the past. But when it came to business, um, I think the biggest thing is I needed to first get really, uh, like, solid on the fact that I was going to be serious about this. I was going to grow it, and I was going to quit my job. And, you know, I had to make that decision for myself. And there's only one person that I was considering because she was the one that somehow I got acquainted with, and she was the one that was, like, pitching, uh, you know, her program. So uh, I really liked how she did that. And it was like she was doing a free event in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. Somebody told me about it. I went, I, I bought her course and it was just in the starting of my, of this business. And then that course included a live event ticket. 
So I went to this live event and then she sold her mastermind there that included one-on-one coaching and it was the biggest investment I had ever made. Uh, and it was, I mean, it, it was like $10,000 or something like that. And I was like, Oh my nice. God, I don't even know how I'm going to like, I can barely even pay for my rent. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she worked with me. She like, uh, she's like, okay, well your first couple payments are going to be lower. And then the, the remainder one, the remaining ones are going to be a little bit higher, but we're going to get you the money so that you can, you know, be able to pay the other ones. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust that it's going to work out. And I almost had like a panic, like five panic attacks when I did this. Cause it was just like, oh my God, such a big deal. But I never really encountered anybody selling in this way. Uh, and I really wanted to learn how I could be more confident when it came, when it came to sales. Cause I was great at marketing and getting, you know, what I knew out there and people seeing my branding and, and thinking, Oh great. You know, Camila knows what she's talking about when it comes to the sales part. And when it comes to actually getting people excited enough to buy and especially high ticket offers, that was not something I had any experience with whatsoever. And she was promising to, you know, teach me <laughs> and show me the ways. So, you know, I eventually decided to, to, to work with her, I signed up for her, uh, with her. And it was a good experience. You know, I definitely learned a lot and it definitely helped me. I mean, she supported me in quitting my job. She supported me in getting my first 10 K month. And, uh, you know, from there I just kind of kept going. So I feel like it was mostly the right time and the right place versus me seeking it out necessarily. Okay. Nice. I like that. So that's a good segue into the next part, which is, so now you're a coach, you work with clients. What are the main services that you provide and and how do you, um, I guess, really dig into what your clients uh, need the most so you can uh, best help them? Yeah. So I tend to work with people that want to be like authorities and thought leaders. So uh, very education-based content marketing. Uh, So there's a couple of different ways that I work with people, but obviously I, since I've been doing it for a little while, it's, it has, and it hasn't been that long, but it's definitely shifted since when I first started. And I was definitely starting, uh, focusing a lot on one-on-one support in the beginning. And I realized that my best way of supporting people is actually through group settings. So the main way that I support people that are, that are like more seasoned entrepreneurs, you would say, uh, and people that are kind of beyond just getting one-on-one clients and they want to scale, um, is through a mastermind. So that's actually my bread and butter, if you will. (laughs) This is my favorite thing ever that I do. I work with really cool, um, really amazing entrepreneurs that are doing big things in the world. They're, you know, making a huge impact. They just get me so excited about everything that they're doing. And what I'm supporting them with is, you know, doing launches and having more automation in their business and having these sales funnels and more passive income and, um, just making sure that their business the structure in a way that's supporting their lifestyle as well so that they have time to play and that they have time to like be creative when it comes to their marketing and things like that. So that's my favorite thing to do. Now I have tons of other things. I mean, I am such a creative that I just keep coming up with new things, but I have a couple other, uh, kind of like flagship courses and programs, if you will. And it's also supporting people with similar things, just in the more like newer to business way. So people that are a little bit newer and they're still trying to get their clients and they're still trying to really position themselves in the marketplace online. Um, like my authority launcher program walks them through that. And I love supporting people in group calls because I like working with people intensively versus, um, handholding over a long period of time, like one-on-one is just not how I thrive. Um, and it's something I had to learn about myself and, you know, I was kind of beating myself up over it a little bit, uh, because like, you know, Oh, coaches, which is why I call myself a strategist versus a coach necessarily. Um, 
just because, you know, I, I feel like people get the most from me when I can just support them in that like quick, like, okay, let's, let's get to it. Let's get you the next steps. Go for it. Let me know how it goes versus like, okay, well, let me know how you feel about it. And you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it's just, you know, that's me. Right. That's perfect. So, so what is this, uh, what's the blow up scale up method? How, what, what, can you tell me about that? Yeah. So the blow up scale up method is a marketing slash business kind of method that, um, it's a kind of like a, a model that I look at when it comes to what is, so, so there's f- basically there's five stages and, and blow up and scale up are two of these stages. And it's basically a business needs to focus on very specific things based on the stage that they're at. So there's actually five stages. Um, so number one, we have the think up stage and this is where, uh, people are more aspiring entrepreneurs. You know, they have an idea, they have to think through what exactly that's going to be doing research, uh, coming up with a lot of these things and like getting kind of out there in the, in a fur, like getting their feet wet, if you will. I don't tend to work with those people because they don't really need marketing quite yet. They don't just, they just need to like get out there. Maybe they need like an idea to, you know, business coach or something that is not something I do at all. Um, so part of the reasons why I created this method to make sure like if this is your level, I am not the person for you. Uh, then after that we have the setup stage. So the setup stage is where my authority launcher, um, students often are. And this is where they know what they're doing. They know what they're passionate about. They know who they want to reach for the most part, at least. And now it's time for them to set up the foundation. So, uh, starting to grow their list, starting to get their first couple of clients and really getting out there in a bigger way. Uh, and, and a lot of that, what happens in that stage too, is they're still gaining more clarity on that positioning, even though they, they kind of know what they're doing. Like, I know I want to do health coaching but exactly who am I talking to or like exactly how it looks like might not be super clear. So they still need some of that clarity piece, but they're ready to actually get out there. They're ready to actually get clients and move forward in that direction. And then from there, we have the blow up stage. So the blow up stage is where you've gotten clients and now you're looking to really blow up, right? So you're either getting booked solid with clients. Maybe you're looking into creating your first group program or some kind of a more leveraged uh, type of group offer. And you're doing more publicity. You're just more, your visibility is a lot more, like a lot more out there and people are starting to know who you are. So a lot of these people uh, tend to be approaching kind of the six figure mark at this level. And, you know, being known as as whoever it is that they want to be seen as. And then from there, we have the scale up stage. So within the scale up stage, uh, because a lot of these entrepreneurs already have uh, their projected income kind of on lock, they know how much they're earning for the next couple of months, they're feeling good. Um, Now it's really time to hire more team and create even more leveraged offers. So doing more launches, doing more hands-off like funnels and doing more paid ads and doing more affiliate kind of promotions so that they can continue generating more income and continue generating just becoming bigger and like better and just, you know, being more known, but not necessarily in a way that's going to require more, uh, manual hustle all the time. So people in this stage are typically in the multiple six figure kind of income level. And they're trying to grow by, you know, a couple, you know, a hundred thousand each kind of year or so, um, or more. And then the last stage is the free up stage. So this is where people are approaching seven figures and beyond. And they're really looking at, uh, hiring 
actual full-time people very often and really looking at how to be more of that CEO and letting these other people to really take over many of the portions that are happening within your business, whether it's really hiring out all the sales section of, of what's got what's going on and really seeing how you can, uh, in, like inject yourself where it's necessary and you're really creating that legacy as well. So that's kind of my, my method, if you will, in terms of looking at business. <laughs> Sounds good. So when it comes to lead generation, do you have uh, a favorite strategy for, for getting leads? Are you a, are you a big Facebook fan? Do you have other, um, I don't know, platforms that you, that you prefer? What's your method? Yeah, I would say Facebook. Definitely. I mean, we do a lot of Facebook ads and stuff. So that's typically the first thing that I recommend for people. And, um, I typically recommend some, something like really simple to be out on the, on the ad, like nothing, not like a webinar, even not, not nothing like that's going to require uh, a person to commit in a huge way to signing up because that's typically going to require people to uh, pay more per lead. So anything that's really simple, like a checklist or a cheat sheet or like even an ebook or quiz, uh, typically can be quite inexpensive. So running some Facebook ads to that, to cold audience, a great way to get some awesome leads. Okay. So are you, are you using uh, do you use Facebook leads or do you send people to, uh, a capture page? Cap uh, yeah. Ca capture cap page. I don't really use the lead option. I don't really like that doing that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It, it tends to get like the leads are not as high quality because it's so easy to do. Um, a lot of the, I don't know, I just haven't had very good success with it. And the price, price wise, it's very similar. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Have you seen that too? Or, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've seen people have, uh, a lot of success with the Facebook leads recently, but I think you have to really, I don't know, use the right kind of targeting. And I think, I think it works for a specific type of audience and you have to really, uh, get your targeting down a lot more so than you right. have to if you're sending someone to a capture page. Right. Um, but the but the thing about it is, I think it seems like Facebook is somewhat leaning towards favoring that because they want to keep you on yeah. the platform. So it's a way to, it's a way for them to keep you from going to the capture page and leaving their platform and staying on there and still getting the lead. So it's an interesting thing. I haven't I haven't really used it too much myself, but from uh, other people that I've talked about, it seems like a lot of people are having success with it. So it sounds like something worth dabbling into at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll try more of it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah, but I know everyone has their uh, yeah. their their specialty thing that works for them. So you know, it's good to focus on. I like totally forgot um, it even existed to be honest, because they released <laughs> it a, a while ago, and you yeah. know, I was all about trying it, and I was like, okay, this is not really anything that's exciting, and I was just kind of like, okay, well, we're just gonna stick with what works, and it has been working. <laughs> but I think it's cool because they keep tweaking these different, uh, you know, areas about even within, I mean, especially within Facebook ads, like there's so many. Things that they're tweaking constantly. So um, unless you're doing all the things, I guess you wouldn't even realize if like maybe it is working really great now. <laughs> Who knows? Right. So how, at what point do you know to give up on a Facebook ad? What what um, what do you track and what do you look at to know if your ad's good or not? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So whenever, so the first thing I really look at is the landing page before we even run the ad and looking for just like, okay, is this designed in a way that's actually captivating just in general and running some warm traffic through that first. So if you're warm, audience is signing up at a, in a, you know, in a, at a high percentage, then that's probably a good sign that hopefully your cold audience is going to respond pretty favorably too. But if they're, if, warm audience isn't responding very well, well then probably something is going on with the landing page. So that's kind of something that I do before running the ads. And then once we run the ads, there's a couple things that I look at. I mean, the first thing I really look at is how much I'm paying per lead. That's the main thing I'm actually tracking. And I like to keep 
keep things actually quite simple. Um, because there, I mean, there's so many stats that we can track and I honestly don't think we need to be looking at all of them cause they're not really, unless you're spending like a ton of money, it's not going to make that big of a difference. So I look at looking at the cost per lead. That's the first thing. If I'm not happy with the cost per lead and I want to lower it, then I'm going to look at the click through rate. So typically I would say anything under 1% for cold uh, traffic is like, you can definitely make that better. Anything above 1% is, is, you know, is good. And then above 2% is like awesome. So I always aim to increase the click through rate for that. So if the click through rate is pretty high and we're getting lots of people to the landing page, but for some reason they're still not opting in, it's possible that there's either, and, and the warm traffic did opt in and they were, you know, they were excited about it. Um, it's possible that they might be, um, incongruency from the landing page to the ad and then vice versa. So it's really looking and starting to tweak what is going on within the ad that's causing that, um, disjointedness, if you will. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at the copy and looking at the images, making sure that the colors are similar on both the ad and the landing page. Page. Is the text kind of pre-framing um, in a proper way so that people are excited and ready to go to the next step when they get to that page? So looking at that first and foremost when it comes to um, a good click-through rate. Now, if the click-through rate is not very good, if it's under 1%, it's possible, again, maybe the copy or the images are not very good. They're not engaging enough for people to want to stop and click. That's one option. Or the audiences are not very good. So, you know, we can, we tend to test a couple of different things. And then once we've tested all of it and it's still not performing very well, I mean, it's possible that it's just, you know, maybe the offer isn't very good or maybe it's just, you know, it's such a tough maybe offer. For the right people, it's great, but for like maybe the majority of the market is, is not as exciting, then, um, you know, we kind of, we don't necessarily give up. We just look at different angles, different positionings for the same offer a lot of times. Hmm. I like that. So what's your, uh, what's your strategy for writing good, compelling copy? Good, compelling copy, man. Um, I will be honest. I, I don't ever consider myself a copywriter and I've started kind of digging more into copywriting just in the last couple of years. Um, but I would say for when it comes to writing good copy, I think the biggest thing is really hitting it good with the hook and really diving into what the person is already thinking in their head. And obviously we don't always know that because we're not that person and everybody's got their own th things that they're thinking about. But the more you know your audience, the more you know your ideal client or customer, the more likely you are to actually hit it um, within the copy. So doing like very frequently, I mean, asking questions when you're talking to people, just being very aware of what your people are saying when it comes to your ideal, uh, client and, and, and the topic and the industry that you're in. And then talking about that within the copy. So addressing it using the same exact words that they're using. So for example, if you tend to talk about, um, self-love, maybe you're a self-love coach, but your people just really talk about like, looking hot. I mean, you might want to include that in the copy in some way and then tell them what they need, which is the self-love later. But it's kind of like just, just making sure that you're aware of how, and this might be the worst example ever. Cause I always pick <laughs> the worst examples <laughs> when I try to explain things just as a heads up. That's a skill I have. Wonderful skill. Um, <laughs> But it's really being clear on like, okay, well, what is the conversation they're already having? Insert yourself in that and then give them the solution or, or say that there is a solution for that. And then that's going to be more likely for them to actually take, you know, take the next step and keep reading. Okay. So, uh, what, so you, so you, you have that strategy for the, for the copy, um, when you're going for like really, uh, eye catching images, uh, what do you, what do you like to see in a good image? 
You know, it's interesting because when it comes to images, something that we've seen lately is so in the past we would, uh, we would have like, you know, strong text on an image and all that good stuff. It's all kind of working together. Something that we've also seen lately is just images by themselves without any text on it can work very, very well as well. So the biggest thing I would say is that the image has to work alongside with the copy. It can't necessarily be saying the same exact thing. So if you, are, if you are using text, I mean, don't reiterate exactly what is being said in the, in the copy, like make it so that there's a little bit extra piece, uh, that's being shared. For example, one of my clients, uh, we were running ads for, she's an intimacy coach. Uh, and we said something, I don't remember what we said in the copy, but it was about like what it was like a three part uh, audio series. And she was talking about, you know, whatever intimacy, um, marriage counseling, something like that. And then the image instead of like a sad couple or like a couple at a marriage counselor, which is kind of like, okay, well that's, no one wants to stop at that. That's kind of depressing. Like no one wants to go to counseling. It was a couple, um, in Bali with the sun, with the sunset, like behind them. And they were like looking at each other in the water. It was like such a beautiful image and it was like mind blowing. I mean, it was the other ads that were we used, other kind of kinds of images that were not as you know, emotional, if you will, uh, converting at like $4 per lead. And this one was, uh, like dollar 20 per lead. And it was just the change of the image. And it was, it was really amazing. So it's, you know, definitely testing a couple of different ones, first of all, but, uh, it's really looking at how is it adding to the story of the entire experience? Do you use uh, a lot of video ads or you mainly like the uh, using photos? Yeah, you know what? We typically use um, images because video adds a lot of um, additional variables that we don't really control, especially when working with a client. like, for example, if the lighting sucks, I mean, you know, the video could have been wonderful and like what the person's saying is great, but if they can't see you, they're not connecting with you. So they're going to scroll down. Um, if the audio sucks, or if you're saying something that doesn't really, you know, strike a tune with people, I mean, they're not going to want to continue either. Or if you're really boring or something there's so many additional variables that we can't really control when it comes to video. Whereas, with an with with a regular image, I mean, you know, we could just we just change the image, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's so much easier for us to get better results with that. Now we do use images, uh, videos, and we do like using that, but we just use it for a different purpose. Like we typically do it just to like build a custom audience, and then we can retarget those people. So it's a little bit different approach for that versus you know video to leads directly. Okay. Now, with your retargeting strategy, are you mainly retargeting with Facebook or do you use like YouTube and uh, Google as well? Or We typically just stick with Facebook. Um, I okay. find that it's the easiest platform and, you know, like whatever. <laughs> it works for our clients, uh, right. especially with the industries that they're in, since I work mostly with like coaches and consultants and course creators and stuff like that. Okay, awesome. So for a coach or consultant, someone out there who's like thinking, man, I need some help right now. What's what's the kind of the first thing they should do if they're new and they're trying to figure out like how do I get started? Hmm. Give me more context. <laughs> so so I'm a I'm a I'm a coach mm-hmm. and uh, let's say I'm a health and wellness coach. Uh, I've been doing say personal training at a gym for a long time and I I want to take this business online. I want to find clients that I can uh, find on the internet and then kind of start my own one on one. Uh, or group coaching without the need to go to a gym. Um, how do I do that? How do I get kind of get the ball rolling to find my first clients, and make my first dollar? Mm, so I love when people that have a local kind of base practice or business are moving online. And the reason why is because it's actually really, really easy to do that. And 
all you have to do is look at your actual local market and tell them that, hey, I have a new offering and it's going to be delivered online and here's how it works. Because a lot of times when people are trying to go online, they think that they need to start from scratch and they need to bring on all these new people from like Australia and um, Germany and Canada and all these different places because that's the way to do it, right? Where you could actually utilize the people that you have, like the networks that you have available and you just include, introduce a brand new offering and hey, it's done online. It just happens to be done online and it's a great rate versus in person. So you're kind of moving into that slowly. And before you know it, you're going to have a bunch of clients where you don't have to do anything in person. And then those people are going to tell other people because you're going to create maybe, you know, some, some, a library of, of free resources. You're going to tell them to tell other friends and it kind of grows from there. So I feel like a lot of people try to make it more complicated than it needs to be because they think it's online. So of course they're thinking, Oh my God, like, how am I ever going to be known? Well, it's the same process. And the more you can simplify it and the more you can make it, you know, real world terms, like this is how you actually would do it in real life. Uh, it's so much easier to actually get results with it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, Camila, I'm really happy to have you on the show. I'm really glad that you uh, provided a lot of value and a lot of interesting information about your, your blow up scale up strategy. I want to kind of implement some of those things in my business. It sounds pretty cool. Um, but I want to know before we close out, how can the baller circle, uh, get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah. So, uh, thanks for asking. So I do have a very special masterclass that you can actually join where I basically walk you through how to get more dream clients in your business without having to rely on referrals. So you can break through the feast and famine cycle as well as brand yourself and market yourself online as an authority leader that you are. So this is a masterclass. Um, people have said that it's like more value than they have gotten working with a coach for seven months, which is incredible. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so amazing. Um, and it's great content. Like I'm very proud of this masterclass. I, people have gotten great results from, from it. So definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, and you can get that by going to camilagoyna.com forward slash ballers. That was digital marketing strategist, Camila Gornia. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week for the July monthly roundup episode where I'll be talking about my takeaways from my interviews for this month. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.